Blog Talk Radio. summer session, uh, your summer break, what have you, uh, getting other way. We are live here. Uh, this is Ben Florence hosting today yet again. Oh, it's the last week. I believe my, our good buddy Mike Gardner, the host of the program, uh, will be back next week. He is currently on assignment uh, deep in the heart of Texas, and he is uh, the old Texas Motor Speedway's old stopping grounds. He, uh, he got a Craftsman Truck Series race this weekend. Uh, actually, tonight, that's where he's taken care of right now. We'll see if he may call in. He may not. But we we got we got a big show for you. I mean, a big show. We got the NBA Finals kicking off last night. Stanley Cup Finals kicking off um, on Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, pardon me. We got the uh, the uh, Belmont Stakes tomorrow. Could have a run for the, the uh, Triple Crown. We also have, by the time of next week, the uh, 2014 People World Cup will be starting. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, we will love to take your calls. Uh, be calling during the program. 646-595-3137. That's the number. Give us a call and, uh, you know, do what have you do. We start, though, in uh, the Lone Star State with uh, the NBA Finals last night. Now, game one has been, the talk about game one has been superseded by a moment that happened late in the game. But before we get to what all the folks are talking about, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the game itself. AT&T Center, San Antonio, Miami, and you had San Antonio. It was a it was a great game throughout. You know the final score does not show it. It is it was a tremendous ball game throughout. But it was the San Antonio Spurs that came out one game one, uh, and they won it relatively handily. Of course, they won it by uh, twenty five points. Of course, it doesn't help that. Uh, it doesn't hurt, rather. They they shot a, a whopping 59% from the field. I mean, you look at the box score. I think we do right now. Here's some of the Here's what, what some guys shot from the field. Uh, Tim Duncan uh, from the field. Oh, this is, this is not bad. No, D- Tim Duncan was 9 for 10 from the field. Kawhi Leonard, 3 for 5. Thiago Splitter, 5 for 6. Uh... Tony Parker, 8 eight of 15. Uh, uh, Mr. Green, uh, uh, Green went 4 for 9. 
Ginobili, uh, Manu Ginobili, uh, five for ten. Uh, Bellinelli, two for three. Mills, uh, three for five. All in all, they were 40 of 68 from the field, while Miami was 37 of 78. One name I did not mention was Boris Dia, who went one for five. And you will look at his numbers and say, oh, he didn't have a great game. But he, he, one of the great stats that you see a lot in the NHL, and you start to see more of it in the NBA, is plus minus. When Boris Dio was on the floor last night, he was a plus 30, meaning that San Antonio scored 30 more points when he was on the court. Uh, like with him on the team, they scored 30 more points than without. That makes sense. You know, that's the whole plus minus. Uh, Danny Green, pardon me. I almost said Gerald Green. I almost said Donald Green. I don't even know who Donald is. And then you look at Miami. Uh, as usual, strong performance of LeBron James. We'll get to him again in a moment. Uh, Chris Bosh. Uh, you know, it was a good game, but until what happened what Now, what happened, what made the game interesting, in the second quarter, the air conditioning in the AT&T Center died. It went out. Now... We're talking June, we're talking summer, we're talking South Texas, we're talking San Antonio. We're talking about a lot of things. And thus, this, the temperature got up to around at least 90 degrees, around 90 degrees. There's uh, graphics, uh, telecast, let's not get George Spurk, the silent reporter, talking about it. And thus, it got extraordinarily hot. You saw fan, uh, fans with fans. There, uh, could definitely tell it'd be a little brutal. Liking some people back to the old Boston, uh, Boston Garden, which of course uh, never had uh, AC, so that was always a pit of uh, you know, especially in the summertime, the NBA final time. But here, here's the thing: LeBron James, uh, of course, superstar player. What happened was LeBron James. Um, he started suffering from cramps in midway in the fourth quarter. And severe, which, you know, cramps, and the cramps were so severe with about like six minutes ago. Um, the midway, the, probably the second half of the fourth quarter, LeBron James's uh, cramps became the better of him. And he had to be helped off the floor, and he was not able to play down the stretch. San Antonio that went on a, uh, a long run, won the game, going away. Now, the criticism now, because LeBron just has these, uh, had these cramps, you start seeing the criticisms by, you know, you know, I always, I defend Twitter. I am a big Twitter guy. I use it a lot, as you can tell, at B4360. You can follow Mike at uh, Fanatic Radio MG. Um, is it? What is this? Uh, Fanatic Radio MG. So you spell that, you know, easy to spell, fold that together. But there are, you know, George Conn always said that a lot of the people that you interact with over the course of the day are morons. And you get a lot of idiots on Twitter uh, try to shoot off a hot game, ask anything else, you know, usual BS. And thus, when LeBron James had these severe cramps, this, uh, the, this allowed the, the trollerati, if you will, on the Twitter field to go nuts. LeBron is soft. He's got a cramp. I mean, he can play through that. First off, when you get cramps, nobody expected 
to be playing in a 90-degree building, okay, you know, you're playing basketball, running up and down the court, and nobody expected that to be in a building when the AC goes. So, and, you know, I was listening to a little radio earlier, and one person said, oh, could they have postponed the game? Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, they, the only way that something like that could happen is the referees go to uh, the, in charge, the guy that's in charge of uh, discipline or officiating or whatever. And they say, we think that the game can't go on. If it's too much of an injury that players were not able to play, and of course you can say that now with regards to the James, players should not play, so on. But that never happened. So I don't think it really ever was a, a situation of not being able to, to, to cancel the game. And of course, people would say, oh, they would hurt the ratings, all that. I, I I don't think they would do that. I think that you need real circumstances to forego something like that. Like, you know, happened an earthquake. You know, as we saw what happened in 1980. Well, I didn't see it. But. So, but LeBron James, he could not play because he had severe cramps. And, and people are like, cramps? I mean, what is that? You know, cramps can be debilitating if you get serious, you know, cramps. If you're in a hot space, maybe you haven't hydrated enough. Uh, some of that, you know, good uh, remedy, bananas, hydration, all that jazz. But the the criticism that LeBron James is getting, and I know people could be saying, well, you know, are you saying we shouldn't criticize LeBron James if he's the best player in the world? No, but the fact that he's the best player in the world is leading people to say, well, I mean, the guy's super human. How could he have cramps to go out of the game? I think that that is, um, you know, the criticism is idiotic, let's be honest. I like to ask all these people, including, you know, our good friend, actually not our good friend, he's kind of a jackass. Uh, Skip Bale's like, ah, well, you know, start calling him cramp and saying that, oh, well, it doesn't affect anyone. Well, you know, a cramp is not something that jumps from person to person, like, you know, everyone will start getting cramps at the same time. It, it can hit one person significantly, and not, maybe not hit the other people the same way, if at all. It's, um, you know, this happens. I mean, well, it doesn't happen all that often, but it can happen. I like to see Skibale, you know, of course, was a known for, or it was uh, humorous when he was like, you know, I was just like, I thought it was people who married when I played high school. But it turns out he played like two minutes his entire senior year or something like that. He was a deep reserve point guard. He's an ass. So take that as you will. But all these people criticizing LeBron James, oh, he's soft, you can't handle cramps. Let's see, you go out 90-degree heat in, a, in an interior building. 90-degree heat is, could be, you could make a case it's worse inside of a building with a ton of people running around than being outside. You can make that case. I don't want to be in that position, so, and I'm not criticizing LeBron James. You know, this stuff happens. LeBron James, no matter what, Let's see, like, if if there was any sort of injury, he, he would end up getting plaque because he's LeBron James. And we're going to get to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, momentarily. Uh, we'll do a music break. Uh, we don't have any interviews, so we're going to do two music breaks, so be excited or not for that. But one thing that it's kind of a meme, and I think it's awful, you get hockey fans are like, um, and Deadspin put up a piece about this um, last night, 
you get uh, you get hockey fans. They put something around these things like uh, LeBron James. Yeah, it's cramped. It's carried off the court. Um, uh, what's the um, uh, I got to find this article. But you get you get these hockey fans that are like. Yeah, well, um, you know, this uh, LeBron James and, uh, you know, you get a hot. They talk about that guy in the Colorado uh, or the Columbus Blue Jackets who had like, a severe heart issue, could have died on the, on the ice on the sidelines there. And then apparently after he was uh, whatever, he has to go back in the game. And then everyone's like, well, you know, that shows hockey players are tough and NBA players are not. First off, any a lot of NBA players are tough. Actually, probably most of them. Certainly LeBron James. So this trolling by some of these hockey fans and the like, it's just idiotic. Let's be frank. And I like to carry it on. Wade Crab and, you know, it talk, again, it talks about the guy's name was Rich Peverly. Gain consciousness, and he has to go back in the game. Oh, well, he's tough. That's not tough. That's the idiot. If you almost die, you're not going to go back out in the ice. I mean, it's idiotic. And then you get all you get all the crap like, uh, here's one, uh, LeBron James, championship speed use I 18 times, we zero times. I don't know if that's true. I'm not going to go back and count. Well, actually, maybe I should go back and count every time LeBron James said, I or we, and then Jonathan James James, she said, I zero times, we 14 times, which, I mean, what the hell is, that doesn't prove anything. I mean, I love hockey fans. I love hockey, and I always say probably the most diehard sports fans and the, the, the most true of the team sports fans may be hockey fans. But, I mean, but it's like this is the kind of crap that it just makes it look like, ah, well, you know, you say NBA, but it's like, you know, they're getting all defensive. It's idiotic. I mean, LeBron James has had their cramp before. But but it's like, you know, or here's another great bouquet. LeBron James uh, gets a cramp, gets carried off. Because, you know, sometimes when you get a cramp, you can't walk. So it's not like he's being soft. It's not like they're bringing the chariot out and they're having the three guys lift him into the chariot, wheeling him to the locker room or whatever, what have you. And then Gregory Campbell, the Bruins, breaks his leg, finishes shift, skates off ice. Great. Um, good for him. Uh, I, I don't know if these NBA, uh, these NHL fans know that we've had basketball players. How many Hank Evans, the Loyal Maryland, early 90s, died on the court, died on the hardwood. Was he tough? I think he was. But this, NBA, this talk about LeBron James is so idiotic. I mean, the guy had a cramp. He couldn't finish the game. Big deal. He couldn't go on and play. It, should he as a team, if he had hobbled and the team would be doing five on four as they were doing before they could get a stoppage, should he continue to do that or should he get himself out of the game? Would that be the smart decision? I mean, you know, we, it's sometimes you get these people on Twitter. And, again, I don't want to hate Twitter as a whole because I like Twitter a lot. I use it. I think it's great. But this is idiotic. I think everybody knows that. Skid Bale is a gas. I've now been able to say that twice in the show. How about that? But, but I mean, he's a jerk. And that is that. But we have some more 
uh, uh, fanatic radio on the way. So stay tuned for some more greatness. We'll be right back. Fanatic Radio. I have no decision-making capability on this program. That's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Lock Talk Radio. Just a reminder, on June 13th, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, and Ice Cube team up once again for 22 Jump Street. In 22 days. What's up, dog? We're back. It's more shocking. <laughs> More explosive and more satisfying. <laughs> oh, how you doing? You were thrusting so hard, I thought your hip popped out. Damn! Two jump straight. Film is not yet rated. It will be out in theaters June 13th.
You fought for his country. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. It is uh, 20 minutes, uh, 21 minutes past the hour here on the East Coast and actually everywhere because minutes do not change with the time zones. We are back. I play uh, Burning Love by Elvis, which I I picked that bef- as one of the songs to play before the show last night or before the NBA game. So if you're thinking I was being a little cheeky, it turns out I ultimately proved to be. Now... Uh, when people ask me who's the king, I always say Elvis Presley. Elvis is the king. But there are some people that say LeBron James is the king. And there are some people that say Henry Longworth is the king. And that brings us, what segue that was. I'm glad I thought of that. Uh, that brings us to uh, the Rangers and the Kings. Game two tomorrow night. Game one was on Wednesday night. You saw it on NBC. And for my predictions for both the NBA finals and Stanley Cup finals, See these schedules for both. You can go to my website. I'm sure you know it by now if you're a lawyer listener of the program, but it is bflow360.com. And you also find uh, the uh, uh, be able to listen to the full show after the show there as well, as well as the podcast on iTunes. Uh, We had an exciting game. You know, uh, we've had a great Stanley Cup playoff this year. Have been tremendous, tremendous, and uh, in fact, we even have uh, the reaction of uh, some NHL fans right here. And it was uh, game one on Wednesday night, and it was a tremendous, a tremendous game. Naturally, as seemingly every game this postseason. Went to overtime. If you didn't watch it, uh, the Kings defeated the New York Rangers to take game one. They won in overtime by a final score of uh, three to two. Now, this is uh, and the Kings, you watch the game, and it appears that because the Kings played their series against Chicago, and that went to the full seven games. Game seven was on Sunday. So they only had a few days off before, and not as much as long as the uh, as the Rangers had. So it appears that the Kings were a little sluggish, and the Rangers came up very strong. A lot of people, including myself, took the Kings in the series, but the the Rangers came up very well, and they got an early two goal lead. And but it was the Kings that roared back. Sooner or later, they they ultimately closed the two-goal gap, and the game went to overtime. And I tell you, we saw some fantastic hockey down the stretch in regulation. Uh, the, the Kings were on the man advantage, and we saw great play, you know, down the stretch, counting down to overtime. Uh, great attempts going back and forth. Henry Gold was standing on his head as he had done so often. Johnson quick with some great saves. Game went to overtime. 
but it did not last too quickly into overtime. And it was kind of an interesting, it was kind of a bang bang play. The Kings brought it into the offensive zone, kind of flubbed the pass a little bit, went to the puck of uh, Rangers defenseman Joe Girardi. He then flubbed the pass, goes uh, uh, Kings Jesse Williams. He gets the winning goal. Kings take game one. Now, he, uh, as uh, you listen to New York Sports Radio, it's why you hear that a lot of Rangers fans, and rightfully so, saying this was a game we let get away. We were up 2-0 on the road, but we uh, choked away the lead. We blew it on a bad defense, a bad defensive play in overtime. We'll lose game one. Game two will be tomorrow night in L.A. once again. For the Rangers, it's going to be very critical to get a game in Los Angeles before they go back for game three Monday in um, New York, going back to Madison Square Garden. You get, winning that game two on the road gives you so much momentum when you come back home. And then it's very it puts, even though the series is tight, it puts the, the team that is now going to be on the road, in this case the Kings, it would put them at a uh, – it's almost like they're in a hole already. You know the series is tied. It'll be key for the Rangers. Uh, again, you saw early and you saw a lot of it. The speed of the Rangers, uh, you got to use it to their advantage. You've seen it all uh, playoff long. Their speed has been a big plus for this Rangers club. One without a captain. And we got Martin Lee and the big uh, Ryan Callahan trade. They never replaced Callahan as a captain. So, and kind of a unique and a little unusual captain, captain, oh, captain, my captain, uh, trade. So, and of course, you got to be able to score because, you know, and if you score goals when you got a guy like uh, Henrik Lundqvist in that, you're going to be okay. But then you look at the Kings. They don't make mistakes like what uh, happened with Girardi there. They take advantage of mistakes. They're a very physical, uh, they're a big team, they're bigger than the Rangers, and they also have a goalie himself and Jonathan Quick, who's pretty damn good himself. You are the height of just too much of it. So it's fun for hockey fans and even the casual fans. They get tremendous goaltending goalies standing on their heads all night long. Uh, I still like the Kings for the rest of the series, but I, I predicted the Kings going the full tank, uh, going the full seven games, because even though the Rangers were widely considered to be an underdog, I think that uh, the, the Rangers, with their, their good offense, and with Henrik Lundqvist, Henrik Lundqvist is the kind of goalie that even though he's never gotten it done in the playoffs really before, Never made it to the cup final. He's the kind of guy that can get really hot when you series up by himself. But of course, so can Jonathan Quinn. I think the defense, the sound play, the veteran play of the Kings will be proved to be too much. The Rangers, but hey, what do I know? For the record, going back to the NBA finals, how actually how great would it be if in game three, game two tomorrow, and you get a hockey player, he gets cramped, he's only able to go on. Let's see what these uh, these folks on Twitter have to say about that. I believe probably nothing. How about uh, Skip Bayless? What would he say about that? Probably nothing. But he probably didn't even watch it. We know Stephen A. Smith does not. As uh, when they had that stupid skit, uh, my boy Bram Weinstein, the great Sarah Walsh, Saturday morning over the uh, gym, game one, uh, yeah, first day of the NBA playoffs. 
and they're like, um, no, we're talking hockey. And then Stephen A. pops out of nowhere, like, we, we got to talk to the playoffs. And it was idiotic, but this was a month ago, so I don't know why I went on that little tangent. But I, I did pick the Heat to win in seven. I'm not surprised that the Spurs came out and won game one. I think the Heat now, can you imagine LeBron, if you're LeBron James, you're getting all this flack, all this idiot, idiocy, if you will, all this nonsense. And then you're going to go out and you're going to kick everybody's ass in games. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think a good, strong, a, a great performance by uh, Mr. James. I think the Heat win game two. Go back to Miami. I still think the Heat are going to win this series. I'd love to be wrong. Actually, I don't want to be wrong. But, hey, I'm wrong. Uh, so be it. So I've got the Heat and i got the Kings. Uh, going uh, both full distances. How about that? That'd be fun. We would have loved that for ratings. And uh, but uh, yeah. So now we're going to get into a little more predictions. Uh, we're going to talk a little. Uh, we're going to go back on the state of little New York action. New York talk. The Belmont State tomorrow. And it's always fun to see them running at the big track over at big, the uh, the big standing. Actually, my father may or may not be listening. Great man. I've been covering the little Belmont State who does a little local TV in New York, so that's the big story. Why is it a big story? Not even more so than usual. It's the uh, the third and penultimate, uh, not penultimate. No, the previous, the final jewel, the triple crown, and we've got a horse, California Chrome. He is going for the triple crown. He wins the Belmont. He will be the first triple crown winner since affirmed. In 1978, and you know, I if you go to my website, I want to say it again. If you don't know this, we'll answer this one. There have been 12 horses. Think about this. Since 1978, there have been 12 horses. The last one being I'll have another a couple years ago. 12 horses have won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes and have not won the Belmont Stakes. Out in Long Island, said the firm won the Triple Crown in 1970. How crazy is that? Uh, of course, that was building. And then we had a bunch of years where we had like three or four years in a row of somebody going to Triple Crown. Why is it so difficult to go to win a Triple Crown? You see, you have the horses these days. Which sports competitive field is harder to dominate? A. B. The horses don't run as much, so they're not as they're maybe not as experienced. Uh, they used to back in the day. And three, because the Belmont Stakes is the longest court, longest uh, dirt uh, racetrack in thoroughbred racing. It's a full mile and a half around that oval. Big, winding, uh, sweeping turns. Uh, so it's a tough race to win when you've got, usually you've got these colts pulling away late. And but you need to have that extra drive, that act to be able to go that extra distance to go to well. So who is going to win uh, the Belmont Stakes? And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm sure I'd be wrong, but I haven't been wrong this far. I am picking California Chrome to make history, win the Triple Crown tomorrow. How about that? You get the odds as of right now. Uh, triple uh, California Chrome is uh, at three to five odds, which means that you have to, you can't make money betting on it. It's such a thing. You have to spend five dollars to win three dollars. I think my father may have actually made that bet for NYRA action 
I don't know why he would do that because even if you think he's going to win, you're losing money. But it's still happy. Uh, I got him to win. I like to do a win-place show on blah. Uh, place, I got right on Curlin, who was a runner-up at the Preakness push. Um, California Chrome hard down the stretch. It was not uh, – it was a relatively easy one, but he made it a little closer than perhaps the race should have been. Uh, right on Curlin's going at 12-1 out. And you need to have the distance that Ryan Curlin has the track record of the background of running well on those longer distance courses. So I like Ryan Gerland and the show horse or finishing third if you're not familiar with the uh, horse racing gambling uh, best uh, for the trifecta. I got the tonalist, is it tonalist going off at eight to one and he's a, I've seen him as a popular pick because he won uh, the Peter Pan stakes a few weeks ago at Belmont, actually almost a month ago. And a lot of people like to pick that Peter Pan, uh, Peter Pan stakes winner uh, because, A, you're running at Belmont, and you're familiarized with it yourself, of course, and thus there may be a prelude to even bigger and better uh, action, their better performance. He also is jockeyed by Joel Rosario, who uh, knows his way, one of the top jockeys on the circuit, knows his way, Around uh, around the dirt, the big sandy. So that is uh, one of the feelings for the Belmont Stakes. But as of right now, I know a lot of people. There are a lot of people that aren't going with California Crown. It's shown by the fact it's very tough to win the Triple Crown. I know that's not exactly analysis, but that's that's what I have you tomorrow afternoon. I believe uh, I love it. NBC does the. the 15 hours of pre-race coverage or whatever it is, like three or four, and the race itself uh, lasts a couple minutes, two, two and a half, three minutes. So, a lot of build-up, but hey, I enjoy the build-up. It is what it is. Uh, it'll be a fun race tomorrow. Uh, I know you folks are uh, will be tuned in. It's your big day for NBC. You get the Preakness Stakes. Not the previous, the Belmont Stakes. And then you get the Game 2 Stanley Cup Finals. Who doesn't love that? We're going to take another musical break, and then we're going to run to the finish. Or we're going to talk some uh, World Cup stuff, some European Klinsman, a little controversy around the comments by him, uh, a little more like a controversy, if you will. And uh, then a little other uh, shenanigans we get to uh, here on this Friday afternoon. You are listening to the one and only Fanatic Radio. It's Fanatic Radio. It's as good as it gets. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
Fanatic Radio. This show's a joke. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. with the music. Uh, girls just want to have fun with the great Cindy Lauper. Uh, and we're coming back to commercial with uh, uh, You Spin Me Right Round. Uh, the original, not that crap that uh, Flo had to put out by uh, the original by Dead or Alive. And then we're coming back with uh, I Keep Feeling Fascination by um, God, uh, Human League. Uh, they were huge in the 80s, so uh, have that as you will. And uh, so, now, as I said, next Thursday, everyone's excited. Uh, well, actually, I don't know about that, but who isn't excited? Actually, no, I am, I am doubling down. Uh, the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup kicks off tomorrow. Um, you know, it's just, it, the World Cup, I, am, I was never really a big soccer fan. I hated to play the game when I grew up, for whatever reason. Probably because I was a, a jerk as a kid. But, you know, yeah, I was an idiot kid. I was an idiot. So happy. I'm clearly a lot smarter now, you know. So, uh, pardon me about that. But, you know, I really got swept up on the 2010 World Cup. I really followed that closely. Uh, I started to follow soccer a lot more. And I am so excited for the other uh, World Cup. Uh, I will not give you a prediction, though, even though there will be games going on when we do the show next week. Next week will be more of our uh, of, of a proper preview show because Mike is a soccer aficionado. This is uh, one of his things. And while I know I, you know, I'm not a, a complete novice, but I don't know enough to warrant it giving a full blown preview right now. Besides, we have more we have more time to talk about it with Mike next week. So, look forward next week, 4 o'clock, right here on Blog Talk Radio. But, so, um, this is our first World Cup with uh, United States uh, national team coach Jurgen Klinsmann making a little bit of headlines with a uh, uh, an interview he did with Sam Borden of the New York Times uh, that came out a couple of days ago, came out on Wednesday. Uh, this game, uh, the interview was actually done in December, so that's kind of interesting to factor that in. And he said, uh, he, had some, he had some interesting comments. I'm starting to like Clemson already. Now that he's shown himself to be a very good coach, um, I think he's done a pretty good job. You need a lot of work to do. It's not a great job in U.S. soccer because it's a game, you know, we as Americans are so used to being better at things than everybody else particularly in sports. But in soccer, it doesn't have the same feel for a lot of Americans, for the most part. Not always, and that's, that's certainly changing. But it's still, for a solid chunk of the population, still feels that way. A and B, 
we've never been all that competitive in the World Cup. We're not, and that's just where Clint McCombie came in. You don't usually hear this uh, from a coach, a uh, high-profile coach in American sport, but he said, quote, we cannot win this World Cup because we are not at that level yet. For us, we have to play the game of our lives seven times to win the tournament. Realistically, it's not possible. Now, I could see some morons or just, you know, regular folks that don't understand what, what the deal is. Be like, well, how could he throw it off? You know, anything. And then that's kind of going out. Anything is possible. And, you know, anything could happen. And, uh, you know, we advance on the food stage last year. And then we lose again. So, and besides, we're in. If you want to consider the, the, uh, the group of death, if you will, well, you can consider it that. This could be the group of death you've got. Portugal, although Portugal could be vulnerable if Cristiano Ronaldo is hurt, unable to go to. Also, this group has, um, wow, uh, Ghana, who has knocked us out of the last two tournaments, as well as, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, this is terrible. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, as well as Germany. I had it on the tip of my tongue. I thought it was Germany. I wanted to be able to check. But, yes, or Germany, always a very strong club in the World Cup as well. So, in all likelihood, unless Cristiano Ronaldo is not ready to go, then Portugal could be at risk. But, and there, you hear some people, and actually the, the story was great. You had that Ghanaian uh, uh, witch doctor like, well, he's going to be out for the tournament because I put a hoax on him. And, so... You have that to factor in that guy, and maybe some other witch doctors, maybe some witch doctors here in the United States. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that profession, but it's going to be very tough for the United States to get out of YouTube. And even if they do, um, besides, let's let's be honest, the United States is not a top ten soccer team in the rankings. You got the favorites of Brazil, uh, the home team, uh, the defending champion of Spain, Argentina, guys, uh, teams like that. You hear a lot of stuff about Belgium. They're a little bit of a sheep pick. Uh, and some other schools that could be, uh, not schools, uh, other nations that could be getting a little short drifting. But the United States, I'm sorry. I hate to be, you know, a little Downer as well, but the United States, they're not going to win the World Cup. If you're predicting the United States to win the World Cup, well, I've got a bridge I like to say. And, uh, but, you know, it's interesting, the, the World Cup, of course, this year was in Rio. And they, had, they, they did like a test game last week, which for the opening uh, stadium, Hopefully game uh, is next week. And actually, uh, you can check out on a certain website that I run. I have the whole uh, TV announcer schedule for the World Cup all ready to go. And the opening game in Sao Paulo between Brazil and Croatia next Thursday, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. you got uh, Ian Dark and the great Steve McManaman. Well, we love Ian Dark. Steve McManaman's good, too. I'll that that. Oh, good breakfast. We're far from the way of David O'Brien and Marcelo Balboa. So, but, so the, I, I don't know if the arena they're calling it 
uh, what is known as uh, for Arena uh, Corinthians in South Paul, which is the biggest city in Brazil. Post match. Like a, it really is supposed to be like, I think like 50,000 years, but they added some temporary uh, seating structures. And they had pictures of it. A lot of those temporary seats, including a big, massive deck at one end of the stadium, were not ready to go. So they only had they could only sell for like a sixty-five, seventy thousand seats. They only could sell like forty-five thousand seats. You had this huge deck; nobody could fit it. A lot of the infrastructure not ready to go for Rio. Uh, Stadiums uh, like this one it wasn't ready to go when they should have been done months ago. What have you? Uh, it's not good. And then you got uh, a mess of an Olympics potentially coming in 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio, where you hear there's a little report which was obviously I, I didn't buy it for a second, but somebody was like, "Well, if need be, we could move it back to Britain." And because uh, Britain, of course, won the uh, London. Uh, um, hosted the 2012 game, but you have to make that decision now because Britain's like you know been in the process of you know just taking down uh, the temporary venue. How they weren't able to spend a, why they didn't spend an obscene amount and minimize corruption because there's a lot of temporary venues and they had a lot of standing structures as well that they could take advantage. Uh, so I know I that didn't and that seems a little far fetched. We're gonna go back to London. But that's a mess as well. And, of course, re- in Brazil, especially in Rio, uh, it's a very significant gap between the rich and the poor. And uh, they had people like, why are they building stadiums? We need hospitals. And it could be uh, a mess. But the thing is, we, we, a lot of times, like, the background stuff, like you saw what happened with like, all that in Sochi, it gets a little forgotten when the games take place, for better or for worse. Actually, probably for worse. And so, but, you know, I, I have a few, yeah, we'll bring in the full journalistic integrity. They cover soccer very well. They deserve a lot of credit. Well, maybe a little criticism. Maybe there's criticism every now and again for other things, like, you know, fell every forsaken day of the week, every hour of the day, all that. But this, uh, there are some problems and a lot of issues, a lot of infrastructure not finished, which is kind of ridiculous. They've known for how long that they were hosting these games. They couldn't get it done. Sort of corruption, all that. I mean, the, the 2022 uh, Qatari World Cup, that's already looking like a train wreck. And the reason why, but the, the problem with that one is everybody in their right mind knew there was going to be significant issues there. It's a small country. Uh, they had no infrastructure. They really don't have much soccer background. And, well, let's be honest. The 2022 World Cup should be in the United States. But I'm not saying that. And, and now that you're here, and, and, and then uh, Jeremy Schaap, I said, I did a great, uh, awesome piece about how, like, they're basically using slaves as workers. And it's just, it's completely abominable. But I don't think the, for the United States, I think that if they, I think it would be great. Because is with that, you hear finally now, uh, I'm Jack Rome, but uh, Seth Blatter's like, yeah, we knew the uh, there was uh, there was going to be this issue with the temperature. We're pondering moving it to winter. The Fox is not having that same rights. They could be a summer game. 
and they knew there'd be issues, and then now appear reported that there were bribes made. Everyone figured there were bribes made into oil money up the wazoo. But a total, a total mess in guitar. And if they, I mean, for the United States, probably the 2026 World Cup is for the taking. And here's the thing. For the United States, you don't have to worry about infrastructure, maybe upgrading like airports, maybe highways, but we have all the stadiums ready to go. So, FIFA, uh, corrupt, like IOC, total train wreck, both places, but UEFA as well, all that stuff. So, not great times for, uh, for no folks. You might want to put this in the mail before you go to jail. And then how about this? Uh, another thing from your uh, imprisonment, that New York Times piece, uh, got our uh, good friend Michael Wilbon fired up over at PTI. Uh, here is uh, the quote that your imprisonment said he's talking about in that interview about Landon Donovan. And, you know, as we, one thing we talked about the last two shows, Landon Donovan, of course, being left off the World Cup roster. I think he should have been on it. I don't hate the decision because I think a lot of people, hey, the media loves uh, Brandon Diamond. And I think that he is, uh, I think he is still good enough to be on the team. But I think you get a lot of people that are like, well, he should be on there because he's one of the best of AU or American, AU, American soccer player or whatever. So, but here's, here's what he said, interesting quote he said about something like that. Uh, quote, this always happens in America. Kobe Bryant, for example, why does he get a two-year contract extension for $50 million? Because of what he is going to do in the next 12 years for the Lakers? Of course not. Of, co- uh, of course not. He gets it because what he has done, uh, what he has done before. It makes no sense. Why do you pay for what already has happened? And you know what? Clinton is absolutely correct. That contract was ridiculous because Kobe Bryant was hurt. Is he still a great player when healthy? Yes, but for um, sorry about that. I had to press the infamous cough button. But uh, Kobe Bryant gives an absurd contract that's going to cripple the Lakers and a lot of their flexibility. Not because, but again, not because of what he's going to do in the next few years. He's going to be worth uh, uh, twenty-five million dollars a year. But. Um, But yeah, so you you get what I'm saying. The and you see this also with uh, Derek Jeter. Um, it was uh, after 2010 he was a free agent for the first time in his career. Nobody was going to sign out when he was going to go back to the Yankees. But it was now a difficult decision for the Yankees. They wanted to give him X amount of money. Jeter wanted more. They ended up having to give him a three year, fifty one million dollar contract. And, um, you know, it, it was interesting. Now, Derek Peter's agent had said, you know, uh, we're baffled by how to go and cash. Like, why don't you test the open market? You're a free agent for the first time. But he ultimately signed back. But, but everyone knew he was in decline. Still had a few good years. But he's clearly in decline. Great player. But he was being rewarded by the Yankees for being way at that. Michael Wilbon was fired up about what he said about Kobe Bryant. You know what he said about Kobe uh, quote, uh, but here's what he said on PTI, very fired up and pretty uh, idiotic. Uh, quote, I've known Kobe Bryant and you, Mr. Clemson, are no damn Kobe Bryant. I mean, seriously, Mr. Clemson now wants to tell all of American sports how to work. 
Get the hell out. Get out of America. If everything here, you want to coach the team, fine. You haven't won anything. You're so gutless. You went out and said, oh, our team can't win. We can't win. You're supposed to be such a great coach. Why are they paying you? They're apparently paying you for something you only did yesterday, but somewhere else, about 4,000 miles, I repeat, get the hell out. When did Clemson become extra-American sports? Think about how he got that confidence. He's 100% right about Kobe Bryant. He's only getting paid. Uh, Michael Wilbon, I love Will Wilbon. I love uh, 20 Corners. I love PTI. I saw a great show. But this was an idiotic thing to say. It basically, you're like, well, I love that you try to do this Lloyd Benson. You know, I knew Jack Kennedy to uh, Dan Clark. Uh Sir, I served with him a friend of mine. You sure are no Jack Kennedy. He wasn't comparing himself to Kobe Bryant. So I don't know where that line came from. But again, he's right. Kobe Bryant did not deserve his two years, $50 million. He's not going to be exactly worth it. He's getting it because of what he's done the past. It's like, you know, what I told Derek Jeter. He's going to push you behind him, but he's still got a big deal. Yes, and then he's like, get the hell out. Get out of America. Why are you telling us what to do? Caught jingoism, and he's like, he's been here for five years. His family, uh, he has an American family. His kid's grown up. They live in Los Angeles. He's been here for oh, actually almost 10 years. I mean, that's idiotic, Kobe. Get out punch. I mean, yeah. because he insulted your boy, Kobe, being right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry about that, Will, Mom. Maybe that he hasn't won anything. He won the Gold Cup last year. I mean, that's that. It's not like winning the World Cup. But he won the Gold Cup. Uh, he's like, oh, well, he said we're not going to win. Well, I mean, what is Clemson going to say? What if he says, I think we can win the World Cup? Everyone knows he's a fraud. And everyone knows that it would have been an idiotic thing to say. But for him to say, I think it was a uh, refreshing. He wasn't like, you know, he didn't he didn't give you like, uh, well, you know, you never know. I, I can't predict soccer, uh, you know. He said, well, yeah. he said no, we're not going to win. And he's right. I mean, come on. Uh, come on, Mike Wilbon. I mean, you're, you're so better. And then he's like, get out of here. Get out of the country. You're so gutless. Like, I mean, that's just. An idiotic thing to say, and it's offensive. Saying, oh, well, how could a foreigner tell us about American sports? How, how can that be? How can that be that uh, a foreigner like a foreigner? And he's telling us about how he was But he's right. It is a flawed system. Other guys getting contracts they don't deserve for what they're playing, especially when they're in the twilight of their career, and but they're getting paid what they uh, getting paid what they are because of what's happened in the past. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals, all that. We'll see you next week.